this is a life and death issue. This is an eternal destiny issue. Welcome to the We Believe Podcast. My name is Danny Slavich. I am the church planting pastor of Cross United Church here in sunny and warm South Florida, just north of Fort Lauderdale. Uh, In this podcast, we're talking about what our church believes. And we started last week as sort of like an intro episode zero, talking about what it means that we believe that God is a trinity. We talked from Genesis 1 about the God who is the God who creates, the God who speaks, how that God's name in Genesis 2-4 is Yahweh, how that name is revealed more fully in Exodus 3 and Exodus 34, and then most fully revealed through the, the gospel, the Father sending the Son and the Spirit. And that name, that singular name of God, Yahweh being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the Great Commission of Matthew 28-19. In the early church, the question that really presented itself to the first Christians was, how can they worship one God and yet also worship Jesus Christ? In Deuteronomy 6.4, we see that the the famous heart of the the Hebrew faith was what was called the Shema from from the first word of Deuteronomy 6.4, hear or listen, that the Lord Yahweh our God, the Lord is one. The, the Hebrew Israelite religion and faith was monotheistic to, to the very core. And so the, the early church being made up of, of many Jews and then, and then as Gentiles were included, they were rigidly uh, monotheistic. They believed there was only one God, only one God who was worthy of worship, only one God who was or is, only one God who creates, only one God who reveals and speaks. But yet, Somehow, in some mysterious way, they also could ascribe worship and attributes of God to this person, Jesus Christ, who had lived a human life, who had done miracles, who had been executed by the the Roman instrument of crucifixion, who had been buried, and then had been raised from the dead in the same body in which he was crucified and ascended into heaven and promised to return. The question was, how could they worship Yahweh, one God, and also worship Jesus Christ? They began to to look into uh, what God had done in Jesus Christ, and and, and as the gospel writers and as the writers of the New Testament began to to write what they were inspired to write by the Holy Spirit, there there were some very key passages that that, um, they wrote down. For example, 1 Corinthians 8, 5, and 6 this is the Apostle Paul writing he's to the church in Corinth, and he says, Even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many, quote-unquote, gods and many, quote-unquote, lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, all things are from him, and we exist for him. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, all things are through him, and we exist through him. And as, as, the, as the church um, looked at passages like this and as it, as it reflected on the, the gospel and what God had done in Jesus Christ and in the sending of the Spirit, there, there began to be, to be a Trinitarian or, or th- threefold shape to the church's worship. That, that 
what what was later to be called the rule of faith began to be sort of a standard by which the church judged beliefs. That is, were they in uh, conformity to the rule or the standard of the faith? And and this rule or standard was was basically Father. We believe in the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ, the Son, and then in the Holy Spirit. And, and that was the earliest. Uh, shape of the church's confession and beliefs. And and what, what the church found as it looked into the New Testament was that the Bible has three ways to describe the relationship of God the Father to God the Son. There are three main ways that the Bible describes the relationship of God the Father to God the Son. And this explains how the people of God could worship one God and also worship Jesus Christ as God. And, and the first way the Bible talks about this son and his relationship to the father, Jesus Christ, who became, uh, who in his flesh is God, the son in human flesh, um, the, the, the relationship of the eternal son to the eternal father was described in, in a few ways in the Bible. And the first was through that relationship of sonship. So in like Psalm 2-7, it says that the, the psalmist says, um, he said to me, you are my son and today I have begotten you. And the earliest church theologians realized there that there was something more than just human generation or procreation that, that was being talked about there. There was, there was an eternal relationship between the father and the son. There was an eternal begetting or an eternal today that, that in the life of God, God the father was always generating or begetting or giving life to his son. Um, and, and we saw uh, in John 5 in our church during the sermon a few weeks uh, ago, the, the sermon from John 5, it's on the website on the, the Cross United Sermon Stream podcast, mentioned it a little bit last week, um, that that's kind of the, the what motivated this initial uh, wave of podcasts uh, on the Trinity was this idea that in John 5, Jesus talks very specifically about his relationship to the Father. In John 5, 26, he says, the Father has life in himself just as the Father has life in Himself, He has granted to the Son to have life in Himself. And so, the, that somehow, in some mysterious way, the eternal, self-sufficient life of God has been granted to the Son in such a way that the Son possesses the eternal, self-sufficient life of God. That there is the, the being or the essence of God is one and undivided, yet somehow given from Father to Son in such a way that there is no division, there is no separation, there is no time of begetting or, or separation of before and after. There's an eternal relationship of Father begetting Son in the life of God. The, the early Christians in, in the fourth century uh, began to try to wrestle with this um, as they were thinking through these things and reflecting on the scripture. And, and in, in the Nicene Creed, they, they said it this way. They said, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all ages, light of light, or light from light, very God from very God, begotten 
not made, being of one substance with the Father or one being with the Father. Uh, Athanasius, the great theologian of the 300s, who fought for the truth of the Trinity against uh, a lot of opposition, said something along the lines of uh, human beings beget children where they make houses. They beget children, but make houses. Just like God made the world, and as theologian Thomas Wynandy has, has picked up, said, God made the world, but begot his son. So God is a trinity, and in, in the, the, the church saw in the scripture, Psalm 2-7, John 5-26, that there is an eternal generating, uh, eternal generation in the life of God between father and son, that there is a father and a son, an eternal father and eternal son. The second way the early church wrestled with this was looking at passages of scripture that described Jesus as the eternal word of God. So he's described as the eternal son of God, but he's also described as the eternal word of God. So this is most clear in John 1. John 1, 1, and it's intentionally there alluding to Genesis 1, where Genesis 1, 1 says, in the beginning God created. Well, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word or the logos, and the word was with God. Logos being the Greek uh, word there and translated as word in English. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then in John 1, 14, it says, and that word became flesh or became a human being and lived among us. Jesus says in John 14, 6, he says, I, I don't just teach the truth, but he says, I am the truth as a state of being. He is truth. He is the word. He is the eternal communication of God subsistent in the divine essence. 1 Corinthians one twenty five says, Christ is the wisdom of God. Proverbs 8 was something the early church wrestled with a lot, where it says that, that wisdom was with God from the beginning. In himself, the word is God alongside of the Father. So the Father begets the Son, the Father eternally speaks the Word, but we can't think of this like we have kids or we say something because our words and our kids are distinct from us and after us. But in God, things are different. The Word and the Son are coexistently eternal yet distinct with God the Father, one essence and multiple persons. The third thing that the early church picked up on in the, in the scripture was, the, was Christ as the eternal image of the Father. So, so the eternal Son, the eternal Word, and the eternal image of the Father. Colossians 1.15 says that Christ is the image of the invisible God. That, the word for image there is the Greek word icon, which is where we get the word icon or, or, or picture or image. Hebrews 1.3 says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. 
when Philip asks Jesus in John 14, he says, show us the father and that'll be enough for us. Jesus says, have I been with you so long and you don't know me, Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. The son perfectly and eternally displays the character of the father. The son is everything the father is, except that the father is the father giving life and the son is the one receiving life. The Son is the eternal Son. The Word is the eternal Word. The image is the eternal image. God the Father, God the Son. But where do we get then the Trinity? So we have Father and Son. Well, we see in in places like John 15, 26, that the Father and the Son, from the Father and the Son, proceeds the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26, Jesus says, when the counselor or advocate comes, the one I will send you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Romans 5, 5 says, the hope, hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The way, the way theologians have, have sort of systematize and explain this is that the Holy Spirit proceeds eternally with the Father and the Son from the Father and the Son, so that there is in God an eternal dynamic of giving of life and giving of love, so that the Father is the lover, the Son is the beloved, and the Holy Spirit is the person of love between them. So, this, this is a lot. I know that. I get that. Um, your head might be spinning a little bit right now. Um, let me just give you three ways that we should not think of the Trinity and the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The first way is that um, t- is the view that the Son is a lesser and the Spirit are lesser than the Father or created or somehow... Um, a subordinate God than the Father. Um, That the the Son is a lesser created being, and the Spirit is a lesser created being, or an eternal being, but is not quite to the status of the Father. Um, That's an ancient heresy called Arianism, that the Son is less than the Father. Another very common false teaching is that the Son and the Spirit are just a different manifestation of the Father. So that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, there is only there is one God, but that that they're not eternal distinctions within God. That the, the Son is just the way the Father presents himself on earth, and the Spirit is just the way he presents himself after the, the Son has departed. That that somehow it's just like God playing a different role at a different time. But there is not eternally three distinct persons in one divine being. That's the ancient heresy of Sabellianism. That's uh, most, most of our, our analogies of the Trinity end up falling into one of these false teachings where the, the son is less or they're separate. They're not eternally distinct. They're eternally separate, but not eternally the same essence. Then the third heresy is the third false teaching is that there are eternally three equal gods. 
and that is tritheism, that there are three equal gods, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but that they're not the same essence, that they are united, they're, they, they have a communion of perfect fellowship, but they are not the exact identical essence. The mystery of the Trinity is that there is one divine essence, one God, and yet that divine essence is three eternal persons possess it fully and yet distinctly. This matters tremendously for your life and our life and my life. Um, There's a a great theologian of the 300s named Hillary, which means happy or joyful or cheerful, um, not like Hillary Clinton. And Hillary uh, was from modern day France, and he wrote a book on the Trinity, and he said that he wrote it because, this is what he says, my soul burned with the desire of replying to the fury of these men, since it remembered that the fact that this fact is particularly helpful to salvation, not only to believe in God, but also in God the Father, not only to hope in Christ, but to hope in Christ as the Son of God, not as a creature, but as God the Creator who was born from God. What's he saying there? He's saying that this is a life and death issue. This is an eternal destiny issue. That it's not sufficient to believe in God. It's not sufficient to believe in Christ. You must believe in God as he truly is. You must believe in Christ as he truly is. And it makes an eternal difference. That's it for this time on We Believe. If you want more information about Cross United Church, go to crossunited.org or at crossunitedSFL on all your social media platforms. And uh, if you are not a part of Cross United Church, you are um, welcome and, and encouraged to listen, share the podcast. If you listen, whether you're a member of Cross United or not, leave a review, leave a rating on iTunes. If you are a part of Cross United Church, know that I'm praying for you and that I love you and we will see you soon. 